and welcome to Season 3 of Real Romance, the official start of the new season here on Undercover Capes Podcast Network. I am your host, Robert, also known as Banffing Bob, and with me, as always, is my lovely wife, ready to talk about some streaming shows, Brittany. Hi! We just came out of the awards season, so if y'all haven't checked out those, <laughs> what? A whole season? No, that's what it's called when you do when they go through the Grammys and the Emmys and everything. It's awards season. Are they even doing the Grammys or the Emmys this year? It's like Emmy light. But now that we're done with that, we can get started on all the streaming stuff that we've been watching since the last time we left in season two. We're not going to have this one too drawn out because we had COVID and we had family stuff going on. Not all at the same time. Right, but over the course of, what was it, about a month, month and a half that we took off, we didn't spend all our waking hours streaming like I thought we would. And on top of that, we had several dog incidences. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were really caught up in things, so while we thought we were going to be couch surfing the whole time, it was a really modest amount of shows that we watched, I think. Well, let's just talk about some of the stuff we watched. I do want to mention we did watch an episode of Walker. Um, we've only watched the one episode so far. It's Jared Padalecki's new show. Um, if you don't know who that is, he was one of the stars on Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And now that that show's over, he's starting the reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger yeah, it was on CW. Something like his baby, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was promising. It's definitely going to be different than the original. But I think him and when he went to talk to Chuck Norris about it, because I don't know if he went personally, but I know they had to go to Chuck and get his, you know, the rights. But um, it's going to be different. I think it could be good. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not so much into kind of modern day westerns, but you know what? I'll I'll give everything a shot for a season. We'll give you a note on that on the next episode. Mm -hmm, See how that's going. So, but some of the stuff we watched, we did manage to finish all of Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'd started it before this, but regardless, it just it wrapped last year, right? Right. I think it ended maybe early 2020. In case you don't know what Schitt's Creek is, basically this family is really rich, and then I think it was like their accountant stole all their money. Yeah. And so they end up... With, you know, like, the possessions they were able to carry, which is a sizable amount. Most of their wardrobe and that sort of thing. However, they have no house, so the only place they have to go is a place called Schitt's Creek, which is a town that they bought David as a joke. Yeah. So the main characters, um, there's Moira as the mom, um, David and Alexis are the kids. And then Johnny Rose, who is kind of the family patriarch who owned this video store chain. Mm. That ended up getting bankrupted. No, he sold the chain and they were retired, but they stole their money, remember? Oh, yeah. I thought he still Mm. had the stores. No, he sold it before they went out of business. Gotcha. They move to the town, Schitt's Creek, and they meet Roland and Jocelyn Schitt. Yeah, and they've been living here for generations. Their family founded the town. Everybody in their family's name is kind of a play on words of, you know... Shit's Creek, like... And Roland is the mayor, mm-hmm. and Jocelyn is, like, a teacher, but she ends up doing a bunch of different jobs. Oh, yeah, she, like, runs for town council and all sorts of fun stuff. And then the they... So they set them up in the motel. I forget what the motel was originally called. By the end of it, it's called the Rosebud Motel. But the clerk, her name is Stevie, mm-hmm. and she basically becomes part of the family. Right, because she, she and Johnny... Or, not Johnny. She and David have a very short romantic thing, but they realize that it's much more of a friendship They're going best on. friends. Yeah, and they become absolute besties. 
and her and Johnny go into business together with Roland. Yeah, ironically, who, who's very inept, but honestly, he he has a good heart. This very much could have been a show that was just like, oh, well, poor little rich kids, and they're just sad, and they just don't know how to do things without money. But all the characters had such rich development, and they really all grew so much over the course of six seasons. Yeah, I was I was saying earlier, this could have been a huge misstep if this wasn't in the right hands. You know, there's a lot of ways to mishandle having a... A son who has a queer sexual identity, right? I think David's pansexual. He he doesn't explicitly say, right? He says he's not really into labels, but we know that he's into Stevie, and briefly, and he has relationships with men as well. He ends up married to a man named Patrick, who's such a nice guy. David and Patrick is the best relationship. Relationship goals, Mm -hmm. like they complement each other in such good ways, and like I cried. The, the final, beautiful. like, three or four episodes are actually really heart-wrenching. Don't cry now. We're in the middle of a podcast. I was thinking about Ted. I know. Oh, and Alexis has a, a fiancé named Ted who she absolutely loves, and he is a biologist who ends up spending a lot of time in Galapagos studying all the wildlife he's, there. He's a veterinarian. Right, but he ends up studying for conservation, yeah. and that's something that's really near and dear to you. And so this... Uh, Ted really touched my heart. Yeah, you would have fallen in love with Ted in a heartbeat. I know. So the creators of this show are Dan and Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. Um, they are father and son. Dan is the son. Yeah, and y'all might know Eugene Levy from as the dad from the American Pie series. That's where I know him from. But I know, I know he, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, older audiences will know him in a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, but, but Dan Levy, he had a, a, a brief stint on MTV... But this is the first thing that he's really, like, taking creative control of. He did an excellent job. God, what a what a class act. I'm really looking forward to some more of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be making all kinds of waves. I mean, I, know, I understand why they ended it when they did. It makes perfect sense. It went out on top. They all won Emmys. It was yeah, no, beautiful. The last up. Emmys, the four main characters, every one of them got an Emmy for Best Comedic... Actor and actress, and then supporting actor and actress, including uh, Moira Rose, who's played by Catherine O'Hara, and she's been in a lot of shit. Uh, you most of Home you Alone. Reckon, yeah, Home Alone. Yeah, that that's a big one. But she's been in a lot of stuff, and she is, in my opinion, the funniest character on this show. Her wigs are like characters of their own. Yes, when she walks out at David and Patrick's wedding. <laughs> in, this, in this pope outfit yeah with the biggest bishop's hat you've ever seen with her hair like laced into it also twyla is um played by dan's sister her name escapes me yeah her first name yeah but she's also a levy and it's a more of a minor role but she definitely kind of adds heart to she's it she's a, a reoccurring character definitely um but yeah Shits creek the even though the the humor like lands so oh, it's well so funny like It'll make you cry one minute, and then just, like, hysterically... We laughed so hard. There was a joke. Oh, the pizza joke? Yes, they, they ordered one pizza. And David comes in and he goes, Only one pizza? What is this, Les Mis? And, we just, and this was after, like, a big, like, tearjerker scene, and so it was just so... It, it brought levity to... Ha ha ha. Ha 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 But, yeah, like... What I can't say anything else about Shit's Creek other than very, very well done, and you, I'm going to miss it. If you have not seen it, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. Ew, David. It, no, 
it's on Netflix, and you can watch it at any time, but it's one of those things where it feels like it's almost underground. Yeah, it feels like a secret. Like, it's like there's no it, one watching it, but yet... Because you, it didn't come on, like, CBS or NBC or it something. It was a Canadian television show. Kind of like Kim's Convenience, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you know about it, you'd love it. But because it's not airing in the U.S. on a regular basis... We've discovered Canadian television, and we've we thoroughly enjoyed it. Canadians are so nice. They like, are. Can we move to Canada, please? I, it's so cold up there, though. It's cold. We're in Indiana. It's not like sunny beaches and shit here. Honey. I don't want to live here either. Yeah, well, at least we can go to Canada and have, like, dead smexy Justin Trudeau in charge. Like, Joe Biden, he's better than Trump, but he's no JT. I mean, I guess. But is Justin Trudeau actually a good leader? Or is he just hot? I actually don't know. But people seem to like him. I mean, I, I, I haven't heard a whole lot of bad stuff Pe- about him. People let hot people get away with more stuff. Mm, this is true. Just <laughs> ask Ted Bundy. Ha! <laughs> I jumped in. You were going to make that joke and I beat you to I it. I wasn't, but... Who, what jo- What were you going to say? No, I didn't have a joke. See, I'm funnier than you are. Speaking of Canadian television, we can talk about another comedy oh, that God. we just finished season three of. Okay. Um... You probably are less likely to have heard of this one. It's kind of reminds me of Schitt's Creek, only... In, in a way. In a way. Like, in a, it's a different feel, but, like, the undergroundness of it all. Yeah, but I, it's very, very different, but also very funny. I saw one of my favorite TikTokers. I think her name was Selena Boo, I think is her handle. Anyway, the, the lady that sleepwalks. Yes, yeah, so funny. Which is super funny. If you haven't seen it, I, I should find the name so you could check it out. I saw her, like, do, like, a voiceover of it, and I was like, that's kind of funny. And so we looked it up, and I watched, I think I watched an episode, and mm-hmm. I was like, Robert, no, y- you need to watch this. Okay, so the show is called Letter Kenny. It's about a small town of 5,000 people in Canada, and it doesn't really say where in Canada, per se, but there's three main cliques that it's we follow. It's set in Letter Kenny. Letter Kenny, but we don't know, like, what it's near. Like, it's... N- it, not Quebec. Not in Quebec, because they travel to Quebec at some point. So it's in Ontario. Okay, so they're in Ontario? Mm-hmm. Right, but you have the farmers, who are the main characters. You have Wayne and Squirrely Dan and Derry and, their, and Wayne's sister Katie, and they all hang out. And then you have the skids, who are... I don't know how to describe it. They, they're meth heads. They're meth... Well... I don't know, they don't do a whole lot of meth right now, but they, like, no, they break dance. the beginning they, of the show, they were meth heads. They're delinquents, and... Like, Stuart is, like, the main one, and then there's they're, Rawl. They're goofy as hell. And then, the last one is the hockey players. They have their own language, really. Riley and Jonesy? They are so weird, but also so funny. So, what is so appealing about Letterkenny? Cause I, I have no idea. It is a weird show, and it's hard to... Look... It's hard to explain. Sometimes you don't even understand what they're saying. It doesn't matter, though. It's still just so funny. I think it appeals to me because of the town I grew up in. I don't know about you, because you grew up in a, in a town quite a bit bigger than the one I grew up in. But it appeals to me because we didn't have hockey players now. We had basketball players, so it, it was different, but the same. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, I grew up on a well, farm. Well, I'm, I'm from Texas, so... Like, football players were kind of it for me. I grew up on a farm, and so most of the people I hung out with were... Hits. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, but there were, you know, the jocks, and then there were also the... the I don't... The quote-unquote skids. Yeah. 
I don't think any of them were meth heads. Meth wasn't really the drug of choice in the town I grew up in. Yeah, um, opioids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's why it appeals to me, because it just, like, reminds me of a Canadian version of my town. Yeah. So And it's just really funny, and Wayne is just the they're, funniest the, character. The writers on this are, they're so unique. Like, it's not just, like, you enter a scene... And you do normal-ass dialogue of how it would go. Like, they do a lot of, like, weird back-and-forth bits that really don't make any sense. Like, in the real world, you wouldn't hear people talk like this. Like the alphabet thing? Yeah, or like the the hockey players, like, talking back and forth. Like, let's get toasty. Get get puck bunnies and all shit. Like, you we know, don't... You've never heard of a puck bunny? No, but... That's like a real thing. No, I'm saying, like, the way they speak back and forth. It's almost like a a call and return. Now, I don't really feel like we can say that because we don't live in Canada. So maybe in Canada they do talk like I that. I highly, highly doubt this. If we have any Canadian listeners, could you please watch a few episodes and tell us, do you indeed talk like that? Or do you know people oh, that indeed talk like but, that? But worth noting, it's not like, they don't say things like, what are you talking about? And all like the... No, that's not their accent That's not all. their accent. Their accent is very country. So it's like Midwestern meets this wholesome... Uh, well, I think you for- forget, like, how close to Canada. Like, we're not that far from the border. No, we, we have traveled to Canada. Within, like, a day. Yeah. Like, we could be... We, I think we went to Toronto and we were back. It's, it's not like, that far. It's, like, straight down. Because I remember we went through Detroit and we were only about an hour and a half north when we went to the Toronto Zoo. Right. So, I mean, it really isn't too bad. But what are some of the things they say? They say... Uh, pitter-patter. Pitter-patter. Let's get at her. Uh, 10-4. That's a Texas size 10 4 there, big buddy. Mm-hmm. There's lots of little things. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. And Wayne is very stiff. Like, his movement is all very, like. He's the toughest guy in Letterkenny. <laughs> I'm, like, demonstrating it. They can't see. Yeah, it's like you can't do the robot and then be like, well, good robot, Brittany. <laughs> but no, he he's very angular, and when he stands up, like, he goes. And, like, he's really straight. I hope you can hear the chair move. Yeah. That's a chair. But yeah, like, and he he squares up and holds his jeans, like, almost like he's making fun of tough guys. Sort of. And he he has, like, the same pair of jeans he wears all the time. The guy who plays Wayne actually, like, runs the show, right? Yeah, it was his idea. He helps write it. He produces. So, I mean, like, I think it was his baby. The Squirrely Dan is funny. Who's your favorite character? Miss Katie. Miss Katie. No, that, actually... That's, that's what I appreciate about you. Actually, I really do like Wayne. I think he's a really funny character. I mean, there's a lot of side characters. I'll tell you who my least favorite character is. Gail. Gail just rubs me the wrong way. Please don't, Gail. I, I, don't, I don't like the gay minister. It's not because he's gay or because he's a minister. It's because he's everywhere. He is so extra. Like, not, not like the dean on Community is. He is a little dean He, he, he is a little deany, but there's something weird about him, and there's nothing against the actor, because he does a great job at it. Also, what's what's the name of the guy who uh, who's in charge of the ag, ag hall? Are you talking about McMurray? McMurray. The whole cast is just so, so funny. funny, and it really doesn't make any sense, but definitely check it out, because it's good for a lot of cheap laughs. That string together a pretty good mer- narrative of what Letter Kenny goes through. So something else we watched, and this was something we finished. Um, it was uh, quite the different tone, um, but we watched the Jinx, mm-hmm. the Life and Death 
deaths, deaths. with a plural, um, of Robert Durst. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for most of you who don't know who Robert Durst is, he was this, like, he's a rich kid. He was born into a rich family. The Durst Empire is something big in New York. Yeah, it's, um, kind, of, it's kind of like the Trump family. Sort of. Uh, when he was first married, his first wife... Um, Did she mysteriously die? No, she disappeared. Oh, okay. Remember? Kathy is... We, who knows? Okay. We don't know where Kathy is. Um, he swears that she got on a train, went back to her apartment, and then called, her, called in sick the next day to school, and then never showed up again. But there's no real proof that that was her that called her college, or that she was ever on the train. Right, but Robert Durst, like, gets out of town... Right, because he thinks he's going to be blamed for the murder. He, yeah, they re when they reopen the case, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to leave," and, and so he like hauls up and goes to Texas. But he ends up like dressing as a woman. This man is something else. He's the ugliest woman you've ever seen. Nobody but, thought he was a woman. But he's brilliant. Like, in a dumb way. He's so smart, because he's like, well, I'm not going to change my voice, because I have this really strong New Yorker accent, so I'm just going to act like I'm mute. I'm mute, and I can't speak. He lives there for a while, but he ends up, and we can say this because he admitted it, he did kill his neighbor. However, after he killed him, he chopped him up and put him in bags and threw him in the ocean. Um, but should we just spoil it? I mean... Uh, yeah, sure. He, and so he, he goes to trial. Well, he gets arrested and then he gets away. He, he postponed and escapes. And then he gets caught because this smart dumb man stole a sandwich. Even though he had thousands of dollars. Oh, and, but I mean, like, way later, he ends up getting arrested again for, like, violating a uh, restraining order. It's, like, stupid shit like that. Like, for such a smart guy, he just, like, can't help himself. So he ends up going back to court in Galveston, and he gets, like, the best lawyers ever. And they end up arguing that, yeah, <laughs> he killed his neighbor and chopped him up into bits. But he's not getting put on trial for the whole chopping and discarding stuff. We need to establish whether or not he acted in self-defense or if this was malicious intent. Mm-hmm. And the jury wasn't able to disagree agree that this was malicious, that he just freaked out because he was like, well, there's a gun. It's my apartment. There's a dead body. They're going to put me away forever. So I'm going to chop him up into little tiny bits. He, he goes free, which is just like... Crazy. Mind-blowing They, they basically me. were saying it was self-defense, so, I mean, he get off. I can't, apparently in Texas you can just... Stand your ground, and then chop him up, and then throw him in a river. Like, pfft, fuck it. And so he gets off there. What happens in the documentary is there was a man who made a movie about Robert Durst. And then Bob Durst reached out, and he's like, hey, like, normally I wouldn't interview no, with anybody. No, they reached anybody. out to Robert, I'm no, pretty sure. Yeah, but he was like, normally I wouldn't interview with anybody. I haven't for so many years. But for you, because you understood my plight so well in the movie, I'm willing to talk to you. And so they dive into his whole history. So we've talked about two murders, or one mis- disappearance and one possible murder. Well, along the way, right in the middle there... There is another murder, for sure murder, but not proving that it was Robert, of his best friend, Susan Berman. And Susan is supposedly has knowledge of Robert covering up the disappearance of his wife. Basically, what is thought to have happened, this is all theorized by the police and whatnot, but most people tend to agree that this is probably what happened. Susan was contacted by the police saying that they were reopening Kathy's disappearance. And 
they wanted to talk to her. So what is thought to have happened is she called Robert and was like, hey, they want to talk to me. It'd be a shame if I talked to them. I could really use some money. Um, I don't know if it sounded exactly like that, but, yeah. but one can assume because she was having money issues. Yeah, it's like, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Shortly after that, Susan turns up with a bullet in her head, in her apartment. And no one can really... Or her house, whatever. But no one can tie him to the murder. Except there is a letter that was sent to the police that had simply Susan's address and the word cadaver written on it. And when you look at it, and you look at Robert Durst's handwriting, which they took a ton of documents and compared, took it to a forensic expert, and he said that it is likely written by the same people. Um, the do- the Basically, the documentary culminates in their final interview with Robert. Because, the, like, the whole last episode is, like, comparing the letter, the outside of the letter that he sent to the friend and the letter that they sent to the cops. And they're all block letters and it's going, they're both going to Beverly Hills, 90210, but they misspell Beverly in the with exact an e. same way. And they're written all in block letters the exact same way. If you look at the, like the way the ends look and the way all these things look. I mean, don't just take our word from it. They talk to a bunch of people, but they do indeed go to a handwriting expert. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, well, we need to interview Robert. But yeah. we can't tell him what we have. Right. You have to kind of slowly lead into it. So finally, after much convincing, because Robert is a an interesting man, to say the least. He, he has an interesting way about him. He's built different. Not to be horrible, but Robert has seen a lot of traumatic stuff before he was even old enough to start murdering people. Yeah. His dad literally got him out of bed to see his mom on the roof, and then she supposedly fell to her death. It's not great. (laughs) No, it's pretty traumatic. Yeah. And he was basically written out of the family business by his his younger brother. He's the oldest. Yeah, but the second oldest brother is actually the one who took over the Durst Empire. And we know that at... Many times, Robert has threatened to kill his old, his younger brother. Right, and um, that's what I was saying about his uh, restraining restraining order. order is that he's like, I know where you live, and he like walked up his stoop, and he ended up getting arrested yeah. for that, and it kind of put a a delay on the documentary. And so they bring him in, and they show him his letter, and they're like, "Do you remember writing this?" And he was like, "No, but this seems like something I'd write. I know I wrote this. I probably put a check in there." Yeah, something Whatever. like that. And then they show him the other letter, which he's seen before, and he has previously said this had to have been written by the killer. And he's like, yeah, I remember I remember showing that earlier. And then they're like, well, look at these letters next to each other. What do you see? And he was like, well, they misspelled the word, same word Beverly the same way. Yeah, it's like, you wrote this one, yes. And you wrote this one, no. No way I could have written this one. And then they show them the two words Beverly Hills but he don't tell them which one is each one is from yeah, it's like okay which one of these did you write and which one of these is the fake and he can't tell but fast forward to the bathroom Robert has a really nasty habit of talking to himself should we say what he says yeah yeah he mutters under his breath kind of like um uh, the, the middle? middle where brick is always like talking under his breath like that's what Bob Durst does earlier in the documentary series Robert he is, does it and when they are talking about the letter, he has this weird burping thing that he does. Yeah, like he can't, like, control himself. It's clearly a sign of stress. Because you can't... Uh, the, he does some weird blinking, and some people are saying, well, there was some contact. 
But to me, it almost seemed, there was some of it that almost seemed like a sign of stress. Like a tick. And even if it is a tick from some kind of, you know, disorder, usually they get worse with stress. As a general rule, I'm not a doctor. But as a general rule, most ticks, including like Tourette's, usually get worse with stress. Mm -hmm. And once you get, it's kind of like dominoes. Like once you get on a roll, it's really hard to stop it. So one can assume that at least some of his tics are due to stress from the questions that he's there he's being right. asked. And so so he gets asked about these letters on the envelope and they're like, "All right, well I think that's all. Thank you so much." And he's clearly ready to get out and of he's, there. And he goes to the bathroom and they turn off the lights, but they do not cut his mic because they know that he talks to himself. And the last part of the documentary is his him talking to himself being like, "They caught me. I I couldn't control the burping. I killed them all." And it's just like, and then it just cuts to black. It's like, there's your evidence. He literally admitted on camera, on a mic, that he murdered all of them. And he has since been arrested and is <laughs> awaiting trial. Uh, he was supposed to be on trial already, um, but because of COVID, right. his trial was delayed. But for the murder of Susan Berman. Right. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really give a shit about this for like the first three episodes. I kind of... I was humoring Brittany because she loves this sort of thing, and I was like, oh, well, you know, it's just an old serial killer type show. It's whatever. But after, like, it started speeding up to be like, hey, there's still an unsolved murder. Hey, we're getting evidence that this guy actually committed the murder, and we can pin him. I was, like, on the edge of my seat. Like, I was really excited to see where this show went. So the new trial, uh, officially, this is the latest I could find. But it's set to be this April. Oh, okay. So. We'll, we'll stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if we get a verdict out of the trial, we'll probably give you a little footnote. Yep, fair enough. Um, so that was on HBO Max. Um, the other show we watched on HBO Max was called The Flight Attendant. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, I think it's based on a book. Yeah. Um, and it starred Kaylee Cuoco. That's, she's back to that name, right? Kaylee Cuoco? Yeah. Because I know she was divorced, so. Right. But she is the main character, and she's a flight attendant for uh, an airline. Mm-hmm. And on one of her flights, she meets a, a rich guy who she starts flirting with and ends up going back to his hotel after a night of drinking. and A lot and of drinking. Having, yeah, because uh, Kaylee's character is uh, alcoholic, and she's in denial about it. But she wakes up the morning after, after not remembering anything. She blacks out, but... The guy she was hanging out with is dead next to her. And mm-hmm. she knows she's going to be pinned for the murder because she's in uh, Bangkok, I think. Yeah, and Bangkok police are no joke. Yeah, and so she has to, like, sneak out. And she flies the coop. And the whole season is her trying to escape the people who killed him. Figure out. Escape the feds for, you know, wanting to arrest her. Yeah, basically she's trying to figure out who did it so she can... Because she covered it up, but poorly. Yeah, because she was, one, drunk... She's not a crime buff. She's just Look, someone who lives her life. She's an alcoholic. And she has so much trouble admitting that she's an alcoholic. And she doesn't admit it until, like, the last episode. Yeah. She Her life was messed up. And I really liked how they did in the show. They did, like... So, basically, she would go into her head and, like, talk to the guy. So, you think, oh, the dead guy, he's not going to have a role. But she talks to him, like, the whole season where she's in her head trying to figure out things basically as like kind of a, a playback dude like someone to bounce the ideas off yeah of. and also like she goes through flashbacks of her own childhood and realizing she remembers things wrong yeah like because even though she's an alcoholic 
her childhood was wrought with things with her dad, who was also an alcoholic. Who basically caused her to become an alcoholic. Right. And she I couldn't mean, have been, what, more than 10 or 11 when he started drinking Oh, with yeah. Her? No, and, and they went on a lot of hunting trips together to go drinking. And so the whole idea of, like, killing and dead things paired up with what happens to her, her date... Really, it's not not even her boyfriend. And she kind of along the way is falling in love with, not the dude, because obviously, like, she didn't know him that well. the idea of him. Yeah, what could have been. Because we find out he's a pretty stand-up dude. I mean, his family was involved in, like, some garbage. But overall, he's a decent dude. And so maybe, you know, maybe they could have fallen in love. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But there's a solid supporting cast. Uh, I don't know any of their names. One of her fellow fellow flight attendants, she's caught up with the North Korean mafia. And I'd like to see more of her in season Mm -hmm. two. Her her best friend is a lawyer, and she tries to get her out of it. Her brother is, he lives cross country, but he was really traumatized by what happened with their home life. But, I mean, flight attendant was really interesting, and it was like a murder mystery, but there was also like... There's a lot of drama. Mafia type stuff, and... Uh, yeah, and, and it's really just all about uh, the flight. Uh, I forget. I don't know her name in the show. I don't remember. Yeah, but there's there's not a whole lot of laughs. It is very much a, a drama. A there's ver- definitely a, some twists and turns. A very fun one. And I I enjoy it. I don't know where they're going to go with season two. And even then, I don't know if season two is going to be based off of anything that was written by the author or a book or a sequel. Or if they're just going to kind of go on their own tangential storyline like they did with Orange is the New Black. I do know that they have recently, within the last few days, confirmed that there will indeed be a season two. Oh, I thought that was already a given. Yeah, but like, you say that, like, and sometimes it's like, oh, this was such a strong show, but then they don't go ahead with it anyway, or they just keep you in the darks, but they have confirmed that they indeed will start filming soon. No, but like, a really great example for that was Good Omens was a standalone book, and the first season of that show covered what was in the book. We don't know for certain there'll be a season two, but right, likely. But they, they've heavily hinted at it, and they left it open-ended enough to do that. Her character's name was Cassie. Cassie. I, I think it'll be interesting, Cassie trying to live sober, but I do hope that they focus on the other flight attendant, like maybe Cassie trying to help track her down and stuff. Stuff like that I think would be really interesting to see. From there, we're going to move on to Disney+. Plus. We didn't really watch any Amazon this month, so Disney Plus is all we've really got left. There's Very briefly, um, before we get into WandaVision, they did drop a show called Marvel Legends. And it's not like the, the toy line or anything. It pinpoints a particular character in the MCU and kind of highlights their journey. So, because WandaVision came out, the first two episodes were about Wanda and Vision, respectively. And so, it goes through their storylines and how they have evolved up to this point in the MCU. And I'm sure that before Falcon and Winter Soldier, they're going to do one for Bucky and uh, Sam as well. I'm sure that they're going to drop those. Yeah, and then one for Loki, too. Yeah, Um, I imagine they'll start dropping those in front of... I think the idea is just to kind of help people that may have not followed the MCU movies so... Uh, like like, like your sister. every single one right so so Brittany's sister has seen some MCU but not a lot and we want to discuss things with her but it's really hard when she hasn't seen the movies so legends is just kind of a brief overview of each character you know this is what you missed before yeah, watching I mean I know people were disappointed but it was kind of something 
that I think Marvel threw together kind of last minute as just like a, here, here's oh, a helpful review. Shit, her name isn't as big as Captain America. They might not know who the Scarlet Witch is. Right. You know? I mean, obviously people that watch all the movies know exactly who everyone is. But, you know, if you're only a casual fan, you might not. Right. Um, like, you never picked up a comic book, so you don't know anything from the comics. No, but let me tell you... I've been real deep into the theories since we started WandaVision. Okay, so so before we get into WandaVision, let's talk about po- Pixar Pops. Popcorn. It's Pixar Popcorn. Is what okay, it's okay. There are ten episodes, and each of them are between one and four minutes long. And essentially, they got the animators to do very short snippets of were, outside tales of your favorite Pixar movies. So there were eight different movies, essentially, that they referenced in these. Finding Nemo slash Finding Dory, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Incredibles one and two, Coco, Toy Story four, right? Cars. Well, yeah, Cars. There, there's one more, I'm sure. Oh, uh, Soul. Yeah, Soul. But Soul was a very short one, and it didn't really go into. I thought anything. Souls was really beautiful. It was though. beautiful, but it was very like there wasn't a lot happening. It was just kind of like views of the city. But essentially, Pixar pops. The only ones that really have any dialogue are the ones with uh, Ducky and Bunny mm-hmm. from Toy Story 4. Those are some of the longer ones. They're cute, though. They're cute, but I don't think they're really, like, great. Which, which was your favorite one? They weren't the most enjoyable. I like the ones about the Incredibles and Coco. I think Coco was my favorite. The Coco one is basically just adventures. A day in the life. Yeah, adventures with the, the dead. Mm-hmm. And so it's just all these skeletons doing different things. And it was so cute and fun. And it was just like pure and honest, I feel like. And I liked it a lot. And yeah. I, I mean, Coco's... And that's kind of like what Soul was like. And Finding Finding Dory for that. Almost want to watch Coco again right now, but it's <laughs> late. It is very late. All these shorts, they're very like singular. Like these are characters trying to accomplish things. So there are a couple from Cars. One is about learning to like parallel park. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like dancing to different music. Incredibles, there's one about them doing chores and another one about them trying to have a, a late midnight snack. I liked the chores one. That was really cute. It was kind of nice seeing the pars using like their powers to do different chores. Not and... even like super villainy. It's just no, like just... taking out the trash. Yeah, like Violet literally scoops up all the trash with her little like... Force field. Force field. I couldn't remember. I love how she's using it as telekinesis too. Like... It's really nice to see her use her powers in a way that's like, oh, she's grown right. in her power set. And then you have Buzz is trying to lead an exercise group. Dory is finding things on the ocean floor that she's just like, oh, look, a pair of glasses. I also that's funny. Thought that one was kind of dark in a way that like, look at all the trash humans throw into the ocean. Yeah, but that's that's a little deep. <laughs> also, can we talk about at the very beginning the Pixar opening? Every single one has that little that lamp. desk lamp. And they incorporate popcorn. In different ways. Yeah, so like one, like the heat lamp is popping the corn. Sometimes when it jumps on the eye, popcorn comes out of the X. Like, there's so many different things because there's ten and they each have a different opening. I can tell that Disney Plus, like, put a lot of effort into making this sound fun and interesting. Your kids are going to love it. Yeah. They're going to watch them over and over again. Oh, for sure. Oh, did you hear that cracky crack? Yeah, Yeah, you nearly broke your ankle there. That was my hip. Yeah, your popcorn hip. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hell, I could rewatch them over and over because I don't know how many times I watched Jack Jack Attack the short after. I'm sure a lot. Oh, I lost the DVD. I, I watched it so much, I, I lost it and can't find it. So, big fan, I would recommend, especially if you have kids. 
I know. You know where there aren't any kids? WandaVision. That's not true. There's babies now. Mm. This is definitely going to spoil WandaVision. It's going to talk about the first four episodes. Right, but if you want to stay spoiler free, if you're waiting to the end to binge it, whatever the case is, stop stop listening now. Yeah. Because you're going to want to watch this and experience it on your own. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Okay. We're good? All right, let's talk about WandaVision. So, let's just go episode by episode, because we, we went through the other stuff fairly quickly in order to talk about this, because I know that this is what most people on our comic site are wanting to talk about. Okay, so, episode one. Now, and I will preface this by saying a lot of people, including on Comic Crusaders, I love you guys, but they're saying that the show is boring, slow, it's not fun, and really, I just... I was just saying that that is going to take... I think you're wrong and you're, you're just, you no, just want it. I just said it's just going to take time. I know we all want our Marvel movie and where all the action happens. I wanted Black Widow and Eternals by now. But if you remember, when you watch a Marvel movie, the first part of it isn't always like the big battle. Sometimes there's build-up. The first half of Captain America is not... Like an action, it's a learning about Steve Rogers. Right, and same with Ant-Man, same with Doctor Strange, right? There's a lot of character build so that the last half gets that much more exciting. But see, every episode gets more and more exciting in WandaVision. And I know y'all are hating on it, but you just weren't ready for it. You, it's just different. It's okay not to like it. But I think it's not fair to be like, it's bad until right. the whole season is yeah, out. Yeah, writing it off on episode two is really disingenuous. But let me go through episode by episode really quick and kind of talk about what the episodes are about. So episode one and two de- debuted at the same time mm-hmm. and they were called Film Before Live Studio Audi- Audience and Don't Touch That Dial. And these two are very old. And they don't reference hardly anything outside of what is happening in the sitcom. In the first episode, it's basically set in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And we find out Wanda and Vision... Have moved to this small, quaint little town. Right. And it's in black and white, and it is very sitcom-y, much like a... I Love Lucy. Or like the Newlyweds, or something similar. And basically, there's this date, and they don't know what it stands for, and Wanda thinks it's their anniversary, and Vision thinks it, it finds out it's actually his boss coming over. Right, because there's a heart... But his boss's name is Mr. Hart, and he, he needs to impress his boss in order to get a promotion at work. And keep his job. And so Wanda, she's trying to learn from the neighbor how to be a, a sexy housewife, right? And really impress her husband. And so he ends up coming home with the boss and his wife. And Scarlet Witch is all gussied up and sexy, making a, a nice, fancy, home-cooked meal with candles and all that. But they tell them it's just Sokovian way. Right. It's very it's very fun sitcom-y way to explain away why they're acting strange. And meanwhile, they're also trying to hide, very much like Bewitched, trying to hide Wanda's powers. Yes. And, and visions. And then they move into the next episode, where as each episode goes, Wanda changes something about like their dress, uh, their hair, and to move into that era. Right, and even like their whole surroundings changes based on how Wanda is feeling or how things are progressing. So now we're kind of in the 60s. This is more bewitched type. A little bit later, I Dream of Jeannie, maybe. So this is kind of 
um, an episode where there Wanda is like meeting the ladies of the neighborhood. Yeah, kind of exploring outside of the home. Now these first two episodes are in black and white, which is important. Um, and then Wanda sees like a, a helicopter. Yeah, like a toy copter. And it's in bright red. And she's like, what is this? This is weird. And then somebody cuts their hand. And, and the blood is red, but everything else is in black and white. Now, there, it should be noted that in the whole program, there's all kinds of Easter eggs, different, like, hexagonal shapes. Yeah, a um, lot of foreshadowing. A lot of characters that we're just like, oh, are they this person? Like, Agnes is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... There are also little mini commercials, like referencing Hydra mm-hmm. and, and the Struckers, Struckers and uh, kind of Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. And then by the end of episode two, they see like a guy in a beekeeper outfit. And he's like crawling out of a manhole. And Wanda's like, no, I don't like that. And the show like cuts out and rewinds. And then she just kind of like rewrites and she, what's happening. She's also pregnant now. Yeah, out of out of the blue because that whole episode there's a there's a town magic show, and Vision accidentally chews some gum and it gums up his work so it's essentially like short circuiting his system mm-hmm. and he's not operating correctly and he's using his powers and so Wanda has to like cover it up, explain away. So it's very funny and fun, but at the same time. It's, you can tell things are starting to strain. Yeah, and she's not okay. And you notice, I don't know if you did or not, but when Wanda asks Vision, is this really happening? He definitely hesitates before he said yes. Almost like he wanted to say no, but couldn't. And in the next episode, we're now in color. Mm-hmm, that's the title of episode three. So we're in the, what, the 70s now? Yeah. And so now in color is basically the them. Brady Bunch. Yeah, it, and they're having she's she's pregnant and she's getting really really far along really quickly. Yes, because it's not like a months long. Oh, I'm pregnant the I whole really time. I feel like it was the Brady Bunch, but Brady Bunch style. Esque. I'm just, I'm just saying like the the what, era. Yeah, the era you should think of. Yes, she is pregnant and getting more and more pregnant. By the hour. Like, in in a matter of, like, a day or two, she goes from not pregnant to having... Babies. Kids. But that whole episode... And nobody questions it either. Yeah, because in this bubble, in this kind of world that's being created, we don't know if she's creating it, if it's being created around her, if it's a simulation, if she's outside of time and space. Like, there's so many questions. It should be noted, we meet Monica Rambeau in episode two, as well as hear a disembodied voice through a radio saying, Wanda, who's doing this to you? Yeah. Who we later, in episode four, it is confirmed that it is... uh, Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Right, played by Randall Park. Agent Woo. She gives birth to twins, mm-hmm. and meanwhile, because she's pregnant... And, it, and it's actually Billy and Tommy, who are the names of her real-life twins in the comics. Who you be- say real-life like well, it's a... <laughs> but in the comics, she does have twins that become Wiccan and... There, I, there's a speedster, I yeah, forget his I name. Forget. I looked it up the other day, yeah, too. Yeah, I, for, I forget his name. Her powers are going haywire the entire time she's pregnant. Like, she literally causes a power outage in the whole neighborhood. Yeah, because when she's in labor, like, everything goes nuts. And she... Her water breaks and, and like... like, the whole... Everywhere's raining. All yeah. Everyone's pipers. Right. And that leads to um, Monica coming over. And she helps with the labor. The delivery. Yeah. And there was also this weird stork thing, and that was cute. Um, but 
after the twins are born, Vision is still, like, he goes to, like, take the doctor back or something. Yeah. The doctor says something weird, like, oh, I guess we won't be going on our vacation. It's really hard to get out of a small town, which is kind of an odd Odd thing thing to to say. say. And then Monica is talking to Wanda and says, and Wanda says, I used to have a twin brother. Right, because she just had twins, and so it it isn't a hot topic. Monica says... He was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? And Wanda's like, bitch, what did you say? She loses her mind and then it like cuts and Monica's gone. Yeah. And Vision comes back in and is like, oh, where'd Monica go? And she's like, oh, she went home. Also, Vision talked to the neighbors and they were like, Monica doesn't have a house. Yeah, she's not from around here. And the neighbors are doing weird stuff. And Agnes clearly knows something weird is going on, mm-hmm. but she, like, shuts Herb up, the neighbor. Yeah, it is a very weird situation. It's clearly things are starting to unravel. Vision is starting to question things. Wanda knows more than she's saying. And so that leads us into episode um, four. And episode four takes a really strange turn. So the first three episodes, even though it kind of has... Uh, references and things to like maybe this isn't real what is the deal here episode four is completely based outside of what is it westview yeah it's completely based outside of the town westview that wanda and vision are living in and it starts with the unsnapping so they kind of call it the blip yeah Uh, like i said this is very spoiler heavy so please hope you tuned out if you weren't ready right Monica comes back and she's in a hospital. Yeah, we see one of the coolest scenes in the MCU, which is her re right her undusting. Yeah, at the end of at the end of Infinity War, after the snap, you see all of the people getting dusted. But in Endgame, you don't really see anybody come back. It's kind they're of just, an off-screen thing. Yeah, then they're there. And this is the time that you can see how people are reappearing, which was so cool. And because it's in a hospital, it's like people who would have been in a hospital bed or like falling out or nurses or doctors and they're just coming back out of the blue well and it's really neat to see that just like when they disappeared they didn't all quite go all at the same time it was within a couple minutes but like it wasn't a poof it was more like a gradual thing right monica finds out that her mom died oh yeah her mom was sick and she actually ended up coming back from cancer right for a couple years but she ended up dying during the five years that everyone had blipped away. We find out that Monica's uh, mom, what? Maria Rambeau. She formed the agency that's now called S.W.O.R.D. Right. So S.W.O.R.D., I mean, we basically knew that S.W.O.R.D. was a thing when we saw Monica's pendant in episode three. But it is confirmed that Monica and Maria do indeed work for S.W.O.R.D. and that Maria founded it. She was essentially the president. And much like S.H.I.E.L.D. handles a lot of the stuff happening on Earth, Sword it stands for like sentient warrior of uh, research development. Something like that. Right. And they no longer do space missions. Right. Like, apparently, at one point they were doing space missions. Oh yeah, and in the comics it's very space oriented. But after I'm, the after the blip, they well, stop. Right, because they try to go to space and like half their astronauts disappeared. Maria has put protocol in. Basically, anyone that comes back from the blip is, is grounded. Yeah, and. Monica's like, what the heck? And she's like, well, this is what she wanted. She knew you were going to come back sometime. This is what she wanted. So Monica goes to help Agent Wu look for his missing informant. And that's when we find Westview. And they try to send in a drone. Mm -hmm. And here's the strange thing. Is it's been shielded from everybody. There's like an amnesia 
where Westview is unknown to people. And some, for some reason, the only people that, that at that moment that can see it are Agent Wu and Monica. Right. And so Monica sends in the drone, and it kind of disappears. And so she walks up and kind of places her hand against what looks almost like a screen. Like, you look close at a screen and you can see pixels. Like a force field. And strange lines. Like, you know what an old analog TV kind of looks like up close. Yeah, like, it's got those, the the Roy G. Bibb colors kind of exactly oscillating. And you can't really see it until you're really close and you kind of look at it from the side. Um, but she ends up touching it and it sucks her in. Right. And we know at the end of the last episode she was expelled out. So this is what happens on the outside while she is yeah, inside. up until she comes back. So, because she got sucked in, within the next 24 hours, they bring in everybody to try to figure out what this is. A bunch of different agencies, including mm-hmm. tons of, of S.W.O.R.D. And, and FBI. And scientists, and you name it. Including uh, one such Darcy from Thor. Right. She was uh, the friend of Natalie Portman's Jane Foster. Mm-hmm. And she comes in because she is a... Uh, Nuclear physicist? Or? She's an astrophysicist. Okay. But they've got, like, an astrophysicist, like a chemist, uh, like a, a a bunch of different scientists. Yeah. Like any scientist that you could think of that would... A space biologist, like, weird stuff. Uh, specialized. Right. And, and so... I have a hard time with people being like, well, how does she have a degree? How does she have a doctorate? Well, because... It's been five years and she's smart as no, shit. No, it's been ten years. Well, yeah, I mean, since we last saw her, but... I mean, there's been plenty of time for her to go in and do more book learning. I'm sorry, but if a giant alien god came from space and he looked like Thor, I think I'd be a little bit more interested in astrophysics, too. Yeah. I'm just saying. And furthermore, if Bruce Banner can have seven doctorates at his age, she can have one, okay? Let her have her doctorate. Let her have a doctorate and shut the fuck up, okay? So, she comes into the sword base and everyone's in their makeshift tents trying to figure out what's going on. In her background radiation stuff, she hears a lot of, like, radio waves, like, overlayered. She goes, it sounds like old television. Like like a broadcast. It seems like a broadcast. So she gets a really old boob tube and sets it up. She goes, one that's not flat. Right. Something that doesn't exactly pick up digitally. The kind you had when you were a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she, she ends up getting the transmission, and it's all this weird Wanda stuff. And suddenly it becomes, like, this whole mystery for them. Like, and <laughs> there's a whiteboard, and Agent Wu is writing all these questions, and it's like, he is me. We've been asking these questions since the beginning, and now he's writing it like, is Vision alive? Why are there hexagons? Is it in our time and space, or is it outside of time and space? Agent Wu is the most relatable character in the MCU. It's, no, even with the card trick. Like, I know people are talking about it, but in Ant-Man 2, Scott Lang, he's like, I've mastered close-up magic. And he's like doing this weird appearing card trick. And he's like, how did you do that? And later in the movie, he's like screwing it up. But they don't really reference it again. And then at the beginning of this episode, he's like, look at my card. Like, that is growth. That is tying into the MCU in such a tiny, minute way that you're like, I don't know. yes, if continuity. A- I don't know if Agent Wu has a wife, but I kind of ship him and Darcy. Like, I think that would be a good pair up. Because they seem like they'd be a fun couple. Do- Am I wrong? Like... Because she's super smart and into, like, astrophysics, and he's, not that he's dumb, he is smart, but he's, like, all, like, 
I'm an FBI agent. He's happy-go-lucky. But he's goofy and, like, fun, and he likes close-up magic, and I think that's the kind of dude that Darcy would be into. Mm-hmm. Like, and, I, I ship him. And people are saying that, you know, he might be a lead into Agents of Atlas or something similar, but there's an, actually an all-Asian group. Is there? In, in the comics recently, and it included Amadeus Cho's Hulk and Silk and Shang-Chi. Uh, Amadeus Cho becomes the Hulk? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought he was just super smart. Oh, he is, but he, he becomes a Hulk, and he's a member of the New Champions. I have a question. Shoot. You probably don't know. I might. If he became the Hulk, mm-hmm. could they make a Hulk movie or no because... Yes. Because it's a different Hulk. Yes, they, they could make an Amadeus Cho Hulk movie if they wanted to. Well, I just meant, like, could Marvel? Like, what's the universal well, like, it was, rights? It, no, the character was created as a Hulk character way back in the day. So there may be some rights problems. But Amadeus Cho specifically as the Hulk didn't premiere until after the deal was made with Universal. Yeah, so, so I was just confused as to, like, because I know, like, there's some... She-Hulk is becoming a show because they can't really make a movie. Also, She-Hulk fits better as a show. Yeah, as kind of a paralegal comedy thing. I just wondered. I I don't know. It's possible. You, you never know. Legal stuff is hard. Yeah, but Amadeus Cho, I think, might be a fun, fun addition as well. The whole idea is that there's a lot of them, and they would create their own group. And a lot of people are saying that Jim Jimmy Woo might be a really fun addition to that. I definitely think he should get upgraded from FBI agent for the next movie. Yeah, I think he might be a good agent of S.W.O.R.D. But anyway, do you, think, do you think they'll do like an Agents of Sword television show, or do you think Agents of Sword will just take over? I think it'll be much like Shield, Shield, where it's kind of like in in it with other things. Because think about it, you have uh, the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Captain Marvel two. We're going to have all sorts of repercussions. Spider Man three things happening outside of space and time and crazy shit. And with Shield not being a thing anymore, Sword might be the perfect way to kind of address super things happening. I can't imagine Sword not being in Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3. I think it makes sense to have them there. Mm-hmm. And with new things like the Eternals, I'm sure even though it's a period piece, there is going to be repercussions from Eternals for the rest of the universe that that just span for millennia up until the present day. I just wonder because like Shield has been gone for a while and though we still have Nick Fury he isn't doing nearly as much. Like, he's still involved, and he still pops up every now and then. Mm-hmm. But he has been with the Skrulls, and one can only assume he's going to be in, like, Captain Marvel 2. Right, and when they do Secret Invasion, he may be a part of that. But I don't think Sam Jackson is going to be a very prevalent name in the MCU for much longer, much like uh, Tony Stark and, and Chris Evans kind of went, Well, Bye. I just wonder if maybe they'll transition into Maria Hill. Because yep. she's kind of had a side part, but it would make sense that, like, as his She would kind of move up. Yeah, as his most trusted, like... I like Colmy Smulders in that yeah, role. I, I, I can dig it. She kills it in the last couple movies she was in, and I think it would make sense for her to transition into the leader. Also, we see Agent 13 going to be in uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. There, there's a lot of room for improvement for a lot of these secondary characters. But, anyway... Back to WandaVision. Well, I'm sure people care about this stuff. I know, but we kind of went on a tangent, even though it's a really fun one. By the end of this episode, you find out that the beekeeper at the end of episode two was one of the sword agents who ended up, like, crawling underneath in the, not the sewage system, but like... I mean, yeah. Yeah, but it's a sewage system. And they pull back the tether, 
and the end of the tether is actually like a jump rope so they can see that things are transitioning into a weird yeah. sitcom-y... He went in in like a radiation suit. and But he comes out in a beekeeping suit. But so. we don't really know if he's okay. Right. We really have no clue. We saw that uh, Monica was ejected and she was ejected in her period outfit. But we don't know if the beekeeper who appeared in episode two, we don't know if he's okay. Or if he's still there, if he's alive. What happened to his character? And when character? Wanda said no, that was kind of reminiscent to me when she was like, no more mutants. Like, she was just like rewriting reality as she saw fit. Does that include like getting rid of him entirely? Or just kicking him back out? Right, we don't know. And then we do know that the drone that they sent in um, was the helicopter from like episode two. Right, but but... The way it was, it looked completely different on the outside, but it was... It was more period accurate. Yeah. It changed into something that would have been made back then more than... Right, but we don't really know a whole lot of, like, what's happening outside of that, except that we know Monica Rambeau has been kicked out, Mm -hmm. and we know that we're probably going to start a new era with her twins and everything set probably in the late 70s early 80s we also know that wanda has been censoring the broadcast yes so if it's something that doesn't line up with what she wants to happen when she kicks monica out she like forcefully like through the wall kicks her out smashes her but then she fixes it but you don't see that on the broadcast yeah because when darcy's watching it literally just looks like a cut and it's credits for that episode, per se. And then we also see a big thing where Vision walks in and he looks dead. Okay, this was like the biggest, scariest thing on the planet. This whole time it's been like, oh, gee, Willikers, and like really fun yeah, and hunky-dory. Paul, Paul Bettany being like, oh, fun and dorky. Yeah, and it's all cute. And then like after the whole thing with, with Monica getting thrown through the wall. It's almost like Wanda's power slipped. Right, and you see him, and the color's been drained, and the whole Mind Stone has been ripped out of his head. It looks just like right after Thanos ripped it out of his head. Yes, he looks like a zombie. It's kind of a shock, because you've been watching this show, expecting it to be very light, very fun, very sitcom-y, and it's just like, boom, no. This is the MCU, this is existing, this is actually in Wanda's head, and she can't control it. Or, she, well, she is controlling but, Yeah, but, but she, she's having a hard time. She's slipping. Yeah, the, the more she's having to, like, adjust, the harder it's getting. So it kind of, I, we assume, this, now these are our theories, because yeah. that's where the episode basically ends. Yeah, it cuts off very quickly. Um, I assume that that's Vision's body, that Wanda has taken Vision's body... She like puppeteering him around. Well, she's probably using. Remember when she destroyed the Mind Stone before yeah. Thanos? She's probably has some of that power left and is forcibly pushing it into Vision to power his body. Well, she's so like harnessing the power of the Mind Stone to keep him alive. Even when he is dead in the scene, he is still talking. Yes. So one can assume that she is also using her reality powers to make him look like he did when he was alive. I was also thinking, you remember in Avengers Age of Ultron, Mm -hmm. and her power was to get in people's heads and show them realities that they that she wants them to see. Right. He really taps into their fears, right? Right. One of her powers is getting in people's heads. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's one of the biggest things in WandaVision that they haven't really talked about is is all of the people inside of Westview are under mind control and they're being forced to live these suburban household 
lifestyles. Well, you can kind of see that they all know that it's not They know, right. but they can't do anything about it. It's like Herb and Agnes know, Herb, Herb, whatever your yeah. name is, they know that it's not right, but, like, they can't say. They want to. Herb tries, but he can't get he it out can't of his mouth. say. And Agnes is the same way. She's like, uh, okay, gotta go. Right? She can't. She's like, you can't tell. Yeah. And it's really tough for them. So I think they're under some sort of mind control right now. And it has nothing to do with the Mind Stone, per se. It's just Wanda manipulating the situation. And there's a lot of comic book things that come into mind. There's House of M. There's uh, all sorts of reality-warping aspects to her powers that could lend to what they're pulling from for this MCU show. But one can only assume that Sword's main role is to get Wanda to snap out of it. Wanda is just going to keep pushing back as hard as she can. Also, we don't know if there are other sorcerers involved, if there is an exterior villain like Mephisto or... We have to talk about Dottie. Yeah. So Dottie is this blonde woman that's introduced in the second episode. And in the fourth episode, you see them looking at all the characters and trying to figure out who they all are. And they're all up on this board. But Dottie is the only one not there. The only one of the main ones. And Agnes is one that's there but doesn't have an ID. But that doesn't... That may just mean she doesn't have a driver's license. Right. Or or she's the one in witness protection that they're right. because, trying to find. Because Wu is trying to find his, his witness. So we don't know who his witness is. We can assume... Or why they're there. We can assume his witness is either Agnes or Dottie simply because there's no information on them right i mean it couldn't it could be someone else but Mm -hmm. one can assume so agnes is thought to be agatha harkness Harkness, who is a witch who's like sometimes a friend sometimes an enemy to scarlet witch correct yeah but we don't know who Dottie is and Dottie uh, agnes introduces Dottie as the person who is basically in charge of the town she's the key to everything in the town Mm -hmm. so who is Dottie? We don't know. She's the only one we don't have, know that there's an ID for. So maybe that's they can't find her. And that mm-hmm. could be something like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Also, moving forward, there are a few people that are rumored to be in it. Like, you know, there are other actors and things that are listed, uh, including both Quicksilver actors. Uh, <laughs> Evan Peters is listed as an actor on Google. And we don't know whether he's cast as someone else which would be really ironic or if it's just a miss or no or it could be just like kind of an easter egg oh i'm an alternate reality quicksilver but the most important one is seeing her brother pietro and it is very likely that he's going to at least cameo and he he may possibly come back to life we don't really know and so that's a big kind of plot point that may or may not pop up something else that we don't know is agnes keeps talking about this husband that we haven't seen. Um, it's very likely that her husband is Mephisto. Knowing what we know, there are more questions than answers. But as I said before, anybody saying that this was slow or boring or not interesting. There's just a lot of things. There is a lot of building. And I think by the end, this is going to be one of the greatest storytelling endeavors that Marvel has come up with. It is the equivalent of three movies. I know there's a like a hint at Easter egg at Mephisto in the Loki trailer. So, I mean, 
That would kind of make sense if he was introduced in Scarlet, yeah. in WandaVision. Right, but talking about MCU shows, there are so many things coming up. Like I said, we have Falcon Winter Soldier, we have Loki coming up, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel's coming up, uh, What If, and then there's so many other things like uh, uh, M- Moon Knight, mm-hmm. Armor Wars. There were a couple other. Uh, the Hawkeye. Secret Invasion. Yeah. So many fucking shows. And we also know that um, some of them are going to be like, one seasons like I know WandaVision is planned to be a one season limited thing right but it makes the most sense that way because it's really building into their interaction in a movie in Doctor Strange Falcon and Winter Soldier I believe is going to be set up to be a multi-season kind of thing and one would assume that um She-Hulk will probably be the same way multiple seasons correct and some of them will probably be like Here's a season, they might be in a movie, and then a year later, there's another season. Right, because you, you look at them, and you say, well, WandaVision seems like something that would be limited. Falcon Winter Soldier looks like a multiple season thing, because the Captain America trilogy is over. Their main involvement in the Avengers is more than likely over. Well, let's be honest. Falcon and Bucky's powers... Uh, Falcon doesn't really have powers, but his skill set don't really lean into, like... A multiverse kind of setting. Yeah, like, they're they're ground level type heroes. Like if there was another battle, I'm sure they would come. Yeah, they're they're very helpful as a team. But Bucky's super strength and speed isn't going to do anything into bringing another universe to ours. Right, and plus there's a lot of like ground level and America centric things that could happen that they could build three seasons out of easily it honestly to me makes the most sense that um falcon and winter soldier would be kind of a setup for like finding other heroes kind of bringing some of the other heroes into the avengers Mm -hmm. kind of almost like setting up the next avengers like i know there's a lot of talk about west coast avengers or or, young avengers or something like that and so it would kind of make sense if they were set up to kind of be start finding new characters to, if that right. makes sense and even then like you see uh clinton barton's hawkeye recruiting kate bishop and you see miss marvel and you see um we know we're getting american chavez america chavez right did i and say so, that right yeah and so there's a lot of different things that are kind of building in and loki's probably going to be a one season thing for me i think I honestly think Loki will end up being multi-seasons because I think they're setting Loki up to be what what there was some kind of agency that he's going to work for, but basically yeah, it's it's, it's a time control. Yeah, agency. I think that it will turn more less Loki and more time control agency because well, kind of like Mandalorian was Yoda and now it's not so much. Well, because Loki exists out of the main timeline in a yes. way because in our timeline he dies, he's yes. dead. But, well, he dies a couple times, but... That's, uh, he's Loki. Um, he's, that, that's his he's, job. He's really dead. So, yeah. But this Loki escaped with the Tesseract, so one can assume that he won't pop up in our universe until at least Doctor Strange 2 in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And it would kind of make sense to me if they had a couple seasons of Loki doing stuff in other multiverses. Right, but that, that's a maybe, maybe not. Like, I, mean, I mean, that's just speculation. No, I, I meant like him being in Doctor Strange. He could show up, but it's not necessary if he's doing his own thing with to the... Me, to me, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki make the most sense to have multiple seasons. Because, I mean, Hawkeye, She-Hulk... Miss Marvel, they could all do multiple seasons. Miss, Moon Knight. Miss Marvel makes the most sense to me as as one season transitioning into her being in Avengers type things. 
that's and to um she hulk i think will be a multi-season thing moon knight i also think will be a multi-season thing because i don't see that character so really you're saying that there are some like say armor wars or secret invasion that might be one season because they have a specific story to tell while others that are more character centric are more likely to be multi-season right I think it just depends on the character. Okay. Well, I think we have gone very in-depth into what's happening in MCU's uh, Disney Plus lineup. Next month, we will know more about WandaVision, so we'll probably be able to give a better guess as to where the MCU is going from here. Right. But even then, I think we'll still only be through, like, episode 8 uh, at the end of February. So we may or may not put out the episode... A week late. A week late in order to encapsulate all of WandaVision. So, uh... Stay tuned on that. But that's pretty much this episode. Now, we put out a poll on our Twitter, and we asked you, what should the name of the streaming episodes be? We know that they've been stream minis up to this point. But, but they're not many. Ab- obviously, this has been over an hour. We're probably, after editing, sitting at about 105 right now. 110, mm-hmm. maybe. Depends on how much I cut out. Yeah. We wanted to know what you wanted to call it. And I put out three options. I put out Couch Potatoes. I put out The Binge. Or, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, Binge Benefits. I like that one. Mm-hmm. And the other choice was The Showdown. And I wanted to know which one you liked. All of it was tallied. And the winner is Couch Potatoes. So from now on, that's going to be the name of the show. And moving forward, we're going to make sure that all of the episodes are called Couch Potato. Thanks to you. So, Yay. follow us on Twitter at Real Romance UCPN or me personally at Banffing Bob. Brittany's on Instagram at BookNerd528. Or if you want to go to the Real Romance one, it's at Real Romance. TikTok is at Real Romance. Email is realromancepod at gmail.com. There's a Facebook group. We never check it, but you can go like us, follow us, whatever the case is on that. And overall, just check out Undercover Cave's podcast network or Comic Crusaders as we have a lot of great content, whether it be comics, movies, uh, sometimes music, toys, you name it, pop culture, we've got it. So the schedule moving forward for this podcast is the first Friday of the month we're going to cover streaming, the third ish Friday of the depending month. Depending on how, what the Fridays look right. like in the D- month. Depending on the month. But we're going to have our theme mini, which is still going to retain that name because it stays pretty short. And then the fourth or last Friday of the month is going to be about the movies that came out the month previous. And it's going to be called Real Roundup. So probably what will happen is basically this one will be like a middle length, somewhere around an hour or so, maybe a little longer. This this month was a little longer. We had longer to, to watch stuff. Um, and then the stream minis we're going to try to keep shorter, maybe 30 to 45 minutes. But but they're not called stream minis or no, Not stream minis, theme minis. Yeah. And then the last episode of the month will just depend on how many movies came out that month. Right. Sometimes it'll be short. Sometimes it'll be really long. This this month will probably be kind of long because we had a hiatus and we watched a decent amount of movies. Um, but going forward, it'll probably be shorter until, you know, coronavirus decides it's done. I mean, can go out to the movie theater to watch things like Dune and... Black Widow and all the other shit that was delayed. <laughs> However, I did hear that there's a new strain coming out of California. No! Yeah, so this might go on for a while. Just cue uh, Khalid being like, 
another one. Um, <laughs> I do know one of the highlights of our movie podcast this month is going to be a movie called The Little Things. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, go check it out. We just saw it last weekend. And it's about a serial killer, and we know Brittany is a serial killer oh, buff. It was a fantastic movie. Jared Leto, um, Rami Malik. Mm-hmm. And, and Denzel Washington. Fantastic cast. Great uh, stuff. So check that out. Right, and we can discuss it here at the end of the month. But until then, this has been Robert and Brittany, your favorite hosts for Real Romance, only on Undercover Capes Podcast Network. Until next episode, keep it real, everybody. Bye, Bye. everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Romance Season 3. Remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts and our affiliates at Undercover Capes Podcast Network and Comic Crusaders.